If you've been with us, you know we're in a series of talks right now that we're calling The Practices. And this is actually week seven. So everybody give yourself a pat on the back for hanging there for a seven-week series. It's not even over. We've got a couple more weeks. Uh, but week seven of our Practices series. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the spiritual disciplines that are laid out for us in the Bible and how they are to be a rhythm that we live our life from. And it was really birthed out of his desire to have Romans 12 to really become a part of who we are. And it says this, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what the spiritual practices do very simply is they expose to us that there is a way that the world operates. There's a way that the world handles everything, pain, failure, success, money, resources. And there's a way that heaven handles these things. And we don't want to conform to the pattern of the world, but we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the spiritual practices operating alive in us, they pull us towards Jesus and they pull us away from the world. And I want to encourage you, we have so many resources that we're kind of surrounding this series with. We have a Practicing the Practices series on our podcast where we're talking about, yeah, you need to listen to it. It's rich. We're talking about how these things operate in our lives. We're pulling in different staff people, different ones of you to be a part of that. And it's a conversation about how these practices actually are rhythms and not just hopes, right? Because we want these things to become a part of who we are and not just talk about them. Uh, also, our resource page on our website is loaded with tools for you to see these things become alive in you. So take advantage of those things as you're on this journey. And today uh, we're going to be talking about the practice of the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. The daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you've given us the word of God to be our guide. And Lord, we love the Bible. We love that you revealed yourself to us through it. And we're asking that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us today. And everybody shouted because they're at church. So last summer, some of you know, I went on a trip to the mountains of Arizona. It was freaking incredible. Like I was with some buddies and it was just like a man trip. It's like, we're going to hike, we're going to camp, we're going to hunt, you know, like we're going to cook. It was just... Awesome. And uh, the whole trip, I was complaining about how my headlamp that I was using at night was so like, defer- it was just like so subpar compared to my buddies. And, and some of you have heard the story of how I got lost coming off the mountain and, and like on my GPS, I'm watching myself walk in circles like frustrated thinking, now this is my home. I now live in the mountains of Arizona. I'm never, I'm never going to escape this place. And there was another, there was another time on that trip where I actually knew where I was. Like I was alone, but I knew where I was. I knew how to get back to camp. And so I'm hiking this couple mile 
uh, hike. I'd spent the afternoon by myself on this mountain face. I'm coming down. I know exactly where I am. The sun goes down. Now it's pitch black, but I'm not really scared because I know where I am. I know that my camp is on this trail. And, and so I'm walking and walking and walking, but I have this crappy headlamp. And, and so I keep looking and we had some reflective tape that we had put so that we could see our campsite, you know, from afar. And I keep like turning my head. I'm like, I know my campsite is over here, but I can't seem to see it. And so I'm just walking and walking and walking. And now my buddies were in like an ATV and they had gone to the other side of the mountain. I'm supposed to be waiting for them, having dinner prepared for them this we had a plan and like I see them driving behind me and I'm like well where am I you know like what is going on and so they end up coming towards me because they see this faint headlamp and they're like maybe that's JD because he's not at camp and I had walked past my campsite a good mile like I, I had completely flown past it and I did not even see it. And so, and, and now I'm infuriated, right? At my stupid headlamp, right? I'm just like, dude, man, you gotta like spend money on things that are gonna keep you alive. You know, you have those conversations, you know, when like you're in the woods and stuff and you like cheaped out on something and you're like, dang it, you know, like it's, they were right, you know, they were right. And I just was trying to prove them wrong, but they were right. And the very last, last night, I don't know why it was the last night, but on the very last night, I said, you know what, dude, I've got some extra batteries. I'm going to throw some new batteries in this thing, and I'm going to see if it gets any better. So I put new batteries in my headlamp, and the amazing, like, the brightness factor was like, I could see, I felt like I could see miles, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it was so Bright, and I had spent a week stumbling in the woods, not being able to see because the light source that I had was not fully charged. And I just had this thought like, I mean, how many moments of fear did I have just because my headlamp wasn't charged? How many more miles did I hike? How much more difficult was my journey because my headlamp wasn't charged? Like how turned around did I feel actually when I knew I was on the right path because my headlamp wasn't charged? There's a lot of thoughts and opinions that come up when we start talking about or you hear this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And hear me, I, I'm gonna do my best to hit all the big clarity points that come along with this practice. But there's a chance that your question that you have or the thing that you saw that you didn't understand or what was told to you is not going to be specifically addressed, but here's my hope. My, my hope is that we all leave today knowing biblically that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a gift that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a power source to live our lives and to walk through life, not a quarter charged, but fully charged, fully alive in him because the Holy Spirit has been given to us for our good. 
Jesus said in Acts 1, verse 4, to a few of his followers, after he had risen from the dead, as he was sharing a meal with them, he said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and they asked, Lord, are, are you at the time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as Jesus said, this was not the first time that he had spoken to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. In John 14, Jesus is opening up to them about his purposes on the earth and his return to heaven. And he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth and the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live and you also will live and on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What Jesus is doing here is he is opening up for the disciples and in turn opening up for us the doctrine of the Trinity, which is the understanding and belief that God reveals himself in three unique but very independent and distinct ways, meaning that each person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, has a unique role on and in the creation of the world in the plan of God for the redemption of mankind. Genesis 1, verse 26, 26 and 26, hey, In the creation story, it says this, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God did not say, let me make them. He said, let us make them because the Godhead is made of these three unified yet separate parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Genesis 1 one says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit is unique and stands alone in partnership with the Father and the Son with a purpose that came from the Father and the Son. Jesus said this in John 15, verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, 
who proceeds from the Father that will bear witness about me. The Father and the Son are also unique from one another because when Jesus prayed to the Father, he was not praying to himself. Each is God and each is a separate person of God. The doctrine of the Trinity is that all three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit comprise one perfectly unified God. This doctrine of the Trinity is that God is one, revealing himself in three persons. He is Father, he is Son, and he is the Holy Spirit. They share the same nature. They hold the same essence. They are all the same God, but each individual person of the Trinity operates in distinct and unique ways. And in John 14, Jesus goes on making this even more clear for us in verse 26. And he says that all this I have spoken will still, uh, while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom from the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not give to, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit is a teacher to us of the things of God. Jesus in John 16 continues unpacking the person and the purpose of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer when he says this. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. This is Jesus looking at his disciples and saying, it's going to get better when I leave. It is for your good that I am going away. Because the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I go. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of the world now stands condemned. I have so much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I say the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Hear me. A lot of Bible. I want you to understand the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. 
that is unified and uniquely designed to minister to the heart of men from the heart of God. The Holy Spirit has been given to us for our good. So then, why are there so many thoughts and fears that surround the idea of the Holy Spirit? If it is crystal clear that Jesus over and over and over again communicated that I'm sending you an advocate. I'm giving you a gift that's gonna communicate to you more of who I am, that's gonna remind you of me, and he's gonna teach you more about me. Why then at times is there a lot of fear and confusion and thoughts about the Holy Spirit? Here's the deal. Most of these fears and concerns are often birthed at a collision point of manifestation, personality, and character. Most of the concerns and fears happen at a collision of the manifestation of the Spirit in somebody, how it outworks in their personality and their uniqueness, and then at times does not follow through with character because encounter does not lead to character. Remember the words of Jesus to the believers. You will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In the book of Acts, when the power of God comes on us, they're not wondering if God is touching them. Right, like there's no question. Like, I wonder if God's here. They're just like fire tongues dancing on people. Is anyone else seeing this? Right, there, there, there's no question. So, so hear me, in the book of Acts and now, when the power of God, when the promise of the Holy Spirit comes in power and touches us broken human beings, there is a manifestation that happens when power hits something that is, that, that is not as strong as what's touching it. If I touched the electrical socket, I am not gonna have an opinion on how my body is gonna respond to what's happening. Right? I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to be like, you know what? Don't do it that way, electricity. No, I've touched a power source that's bigger than me, that's, that's more powerful than me, and therefore what happens to me in that moment can look like a lot of different things. It can look like a lot. In Acts chapter two, what it looked like when the promise of the Holy Spirit came on the people, it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Can I just say, this is not what I'm talking about, but... It's, it's time for us to start gathering in one place. There's been some unhealthy rhythms established in our culture over the shutdown that is robbing the church of an opportunity to be a place that houses the presence of God. It is time for us to come back to the place. 
It's time for us to come back and say, you know what? It's good for us to be together. It's good for us to be together. And the church is a broken, jacked up family, but it's also a healthy family, all right? Because we're moving towards health in Jesus. And I think it's significant that it says that, that, that they were all together in one place. Can God meet you on your own? Yes. Does he? Yes. Is there something unique and biblical about him meeting a group of people when they're in one place? Yes. Can you encounter him in power on your own? Absolutely. Should you? Yes. Go back and listen to the practices on worship and declaration and, and, and solitude and silence. They're there. It's needed. We need it. But we also need to come together in one place place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one was hearing their own language that has been spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us are hearing our native language? Then it goes through a list of the languages which you can read in your own time. both Jews and converts to Judaism, they're hearing them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongue. I want you to, to see that there are two things that are happening. God is doing astonishing things and then people are hearing their home language being spoken. Okay, if you're hearing people speak your language, you're solely not going to describe how they're described in Acts 2. Because then we read like, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Then it says, some however made fun of them and said they had had too much wine. Okay, there are two things that are happening here. They're not making fun of them for speaking in the other languages. That's not funny. That's astounding. Whoa. How do they know that? What, what is going on there? That's crazy. And they were being made fun of because it looked like they were drunk. When the Holy Spirit comes in power, look, it's both astonishing and confusing. Let's just say that, all right? Like, it is a head scratcher. It's both wow and wow. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? This is amazing. And what is happening? This is weird. In the collision of the power of God and then the manifestation of the Spirit, through the personality of the person who's being encountered and then understanding that that encounter does not lead to a completion in their character can be equal parts amazing and confusing. Because in Acts 2, 
What God was doing was astonishing and the people were blown away, but it was also weird. But I want, I want, I want to say something. God is not weird. People are weird. This, let's just get that out in the open. God is not weird. God is awesome. But people are weird. We don't have a play-by-play of what Acts 2 looked like, but we do have the description that they thought they were drunk. And I do know what drunk people look like. <laughs> on, you know, like on 6th Street, I don't know. I haven't seen a bunch of people walking around declaring in other languages that's not the part that they thought they were drunk. No, that, that would have been like, oh, wow, dude, it's amazing. Can you speak Spanish? No, whoa, that's cool. Pray for me. That's not the part that they were being made fun of about. They were being made fun of because they looked drunk. What do drunk people look like? They stumble around. Sometimes they start laughing uncontrollably. They start crying and telling you why they tell you they love you, man. <laughs> right? Like that's like, that's what drunk people look like. So the description was these people are drunk because they had touched a power source that was greater than them. And so when the power of God hits the person, what manifests, hear me, is both a combination of the power of God and the outworking of the personality of the person. This is why sometimes weird things happen because people are weird all by themselves. Like you don't need the Holy Spirit to experience weird at all. Like there, there's enough weird just in this room without God, no offense. But again, God's not weird, people are weird, but we have run, okay? We have run, there are whole segments of the church that have run from weird and then also run from the gift. Because they, had, they, they experienced something where the personality of the person rubbed against what was going on in them and they didn't have words for it. And so they judged it. And they said, man, you're acting drunk. This can't be God. Dude, when you were speaking my language, maybe God. This, eh. I don't know about this. I, this, this makes me feel uncomfortable. And, and I, I, look, I wish that it wasn't this way, truthfully. As a pastor, this is terrifying. You know, but it's like when you ask God to come and then God comes. And you're like, okay. I, I would have preferred if this person would have started weeping hysterically right now. My preference would have been like a, like a slight Baptist tear. That would have been my preference. You know, like an acknowledgement of, yes, Lord. That, 
that's like my jam. Like, hey, let's just keep it chill. There's room for everyone. But when the promise of the Holy Spirit showed up, it was a spectacle. It was an absolute spectacle that was both astonishing and confusing. People saw things they could explain and people saw things they couldn't. They said, wow, it's amazing. They're speaking in all these languages, but they're acting a bit foolish. In Acts 2, what God did was mind-blowing as he displayed his power made available to the people of God through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2, verse 14, it says that then Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd and he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Hear me. It is the spirit and the truth that work together to establish heaven on earth. Encounter without explanation is an experience, but encounter with explanation leads to transformation. Can we say that one more time? Because that's a good word. Encounter without explanation is an experience, but encounter with explanation leads to transformation. And in Acts 2, verse 15, Peter goes on and he says, these people are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. Always joke with my team. Some of you guys will be offended by this, but I'm 41 now, I don't care. I always joke with my team, like super stressful meeting. And there's always, everybody has their water bottles. I was like, can we just take a minute? Just pray if God wants to turn this water into wine really quick. Because if God does it, we can day drink. You know what I'm saying? Like if God, that's a joke, relax, everybody relax, okay? These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. This is important because what was birthed in Acts chapter two was not a group of people that had an experience. It was a church that changed the world. These are different things. Group of peoples can have experiences all the time and they don't turn into movements that bring transformation. And so Peter stands up and he says, what is happening was prophesied that was going to happen by the prophet Joel. He goes on to say, this is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter was saying in the middle of the chaos that what we are standing in was promised not just three days ago, hundreds of years ago. Because as we say often, the Bible is not a series of stories. The Bible is one story. And Peter is explaining to the people the experience that they were having so that that experience can turn to transformation. So that it's not just a, oh, wow, that was cool, but they see that the power they're experiencing has a purpose. John 16, again, Jesus says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. He will guide you. He will show you all truth. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a gift to refresh, empower, and embolden the people of God. And it's a gift that we can open not just once, that we don't just open once a day, it's a gift that we can open all throughout every day. So some of you are asking, so then am I filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I know? Have I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? What's going on? Here's the deal. It's both simple and complex. Why? Because God is both simple and complex. Here's what I do know. Ephesians 1 verse 13. And you were also included when Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So when you received Jesus, it goes on and it says that there was a deposit, a guarantee of your inheritance that is to come in the redemption of all those who God possesses to the praise of his glory. At salvation, when you surrender your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit seals your salvation and comes on you as a deposit of what is to come, as a guarantee of what is to come. That's why in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit just didn't come in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit showed up again in Acts 4, in Acts 9, in Acts 10, all the time because the Holy Spirit is a gift that's been given to us to empower us, embolden us, and to equip us with what we need to do what God has called us to do. Man, if the church ever needed power, it's right now. It's right now. Man, it's, it, we need to rise up in boldness and say, I'm not gonna run from that weird experience I had in middle school and neglect this gift that's been given to me that Jesus gave to me because I am both astonished and confused. What if we said, you know what? I want the word of God to be my guide and not the interpretation of my flesh, of my experience.
What if we said, I want the Bible to tell me what's available to me and not just grade my experience through what I've seen in my own life? Because look, I've seen some stuff. I've seen people abuse power. I've seen people make stuff up in the Holy Spirit. I've seen people hurt people because they're trying to make some sort of power play because they're saying that they're prophesying. I've seen all that stuff. But let me tell you, it is still worth it, man. I'm not gonna let a few weird people rob me of the power that God has made available to me. I'm not gonna let just like a few bad apples, you know, like be like, dude, I'm, I'm gonna allow them to steal this amazing gift over here that I have in the Holy Spirit to be able to be filled, fully charged, fully equipped, fully overflowing in the power of God, man. The living God moving and living through our being. Are you kidding me? That's freaking crazy that the living God, like right now, we have full access to every bit of Him, not a part, every bit of Him. Every bit of Him. But you know what's crazy? And this is something I don't understand about God, and I'm going to ask Him when I get to heaven. Like, why does my expectation determine often your manifestation? This is a mind blow to me because I'm like, God, you're God. You can do whatever you want. You can interrupt things. You do interrupt things. You slam on people. And you're like a grenade that goes off in rooms sometimes. But oftentimes, our expectation is connected to his level of manifestation. Jesus went into a town and he said, you know what? I'm not going to do any miracles here because their faith isn't there. whatever he wants, but he's like, you know what? Nah, we'll go to the next town. Their, their, their faith isn't there. I don't understand it. It's a mystery. But what I do know that if you hunger and thirst for him, if you knock on the door, he will answer. And I don't know where you are on the spectrum this morning of fearful or excited questioning or resolved, weirded out or about time, you know? <laughs> I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are, like super dry. Like if you would describe your relationship with God as eating cardboard, like it's like super dry. Or if you're just like overflowing, you're like, dude, I opened the Bible and it's like a water gun hits me in the face. You know, I don't, I don't know where you are on on the spectrum, but here's what I do know is that God is here to meet you where you are. He's here to meet you where you are. And some of you, the Holy Spirit woke me up this morning. He said, some of you are skeptical and God wants you to know that if you lean into him, he will prove to be himself to you. I had this moment and I'll end with this story, but I had this moment where my, my truck broke and it's, uh, I hate that oftentimes God will use my car to speak prophetically to me. I'm like, is there a cheaper way for me to hear God than to pay for my car to be fixed all the time? Like if there, you know, I'm like, I'm like, Lord, this is your will. You know, I'm like, let this cup pass before me. Like I'm tired of fixing my truck. Like, and, and so I, uh, my truck all of a sudden had no power. 
and I thought it was the battery, right? Because oftentimes that's the issue. Like you go to start your car, it doesn't start, it's the battery, right? So I get my wife's car, we put the jumper cables on, we let it run for a little bit, I try to start my car, no power. So I'm like, oh, that's a little weird, getting a little concerning, seeing the dollar signs crank up just a little bit. So then I'm like, you know what, I'll take the battery out, I'll take the battery to AutoZone, I'll have them give me a new battery, maybe this one's just so dead that it needs to be replaced, I get a new battery, I come home, I get it all hooked up, turn the truck, no power. And I'm like, okay, well, this is strange. Call the tow company, hey, you gotta tow my truck, take it to this guy, they have a first name basis, his name's Bo, you know, he calls me Jay, that's how often we're there, and, because God speaks to me, you know, a lot. And so he calls me and he's like, hey, there's a leak somewhere that we can't find. We've sprayed your car with water. We've, we've done everything that we can to try to expose where this leak is. But what we do know is that water has been dripping into your door and it's standing, it's like a standing pool of water. And what it did was it shorted out your junction box, which is basically like the electronic brain of your truck. He was like, good news, bad news. Good news is super easy to fix. Bad news, super expensive to fix. I'm like, sweet, thank you. Thank you, bro. So then here's what's crazy. They put the junction box in, they can't get it to work. They start doing, they call me on the phone. They're like, hey, dude, we're trying to figure this out. We don't know what's going on. They end up having to take it to a Ford dealership to get it reprogrammed. And once it was reprogrammed, the truck just kicked right on. And I was like, God, there better be some prophetic story in this $1,100 bill. If there's not, like, I am frustrated, you know? But, but, but here, here's what the Lord began to show me. It's like, you know what? We, we are, some of us have allowed lies to seep in questions to seep into your mind and it's built up so much that it short-circuited your ability to access the power that's actually right in front of you. And the Holy Spirit is saying today, he wants to re reprogram your mind biblically to be able to receive the power that's actually been sitting there the whole time. But, but the access to the power had gotten twisted. And so it needed to be reprogrammed so things can work rightly. And so how we wanna end today is very simply, if you need God, come receive God. He's here in this place. We've had so many crazy moments this past weekend where our team has just been looking at each other, just being like, what do we keep saying, Moses? The Lord is real. We just keep, like, there's nothing else to say. It's like, the Lord is real. Like, it, God is real. Like, there's no other explanation except God is in this place. So do me a favor, stand to your feet, and I want my... 
D-School and different leaders to go ahead and come up here. But we are going to begin to pray for people to encounter the power of the whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's been sealed within you, but God is here to give you a fresh filling so that you can encounter all of the power that has been made available for you. So let me pray, Jesus, I'm asking right now that you would begin to open up our hearts to receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us this amazing, 